Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out to practice. With your host, Keith Barney. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. I'm feeling a lot better, thank you. mercilessly mock you for two hours and then find out you had food poisoning. Again! Again! And welcome to the Out of Practice Podcast, a weekly podcast talking about episodes of The Practice, David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week we are up to season four, episode 19, Till Death Do Us Part. How's it going, Dex? Well, we are firing down the final stretch here of season four, which is crazy to me. And I feel that I want to give you an official apology. Last week I was, you know, it's all good fun. We have, we like to go at each other, but little did I know as I was making fun of you and your hair curtains and all of the rest (laughs) that you were battling some suspect broccoli. So uh, you were really being a trooper while I was uh, telling you that you were being an ass. So I apologize. <laughs> we found out after the fact that you were a little bit under the weather, maybe not well, so little. Well, we, so. we all did. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> like half an hour after finishing last week's episode, I started the puke process, which continued uh, puking every 35, 25 minutes for the next 13 hours. Uh, it was really something uh at, at some point there was a big thunderstorm came through and jillian's like oh you want to go look at the storm I'm like i i cannot get up off the floor there's absolutely no <laughs> way i was murdered it was so sad and disgusting and uh, i'm glad that i was able to get through the podcast but i didn't know what was wrong with me at that point i was just like i don't feel right i feel tired i can't focus but oh no i was about to like literally explode yeah so, that's that's bad at PSA, if if you find broccoli, frozen broccoli in your freezer that you're not sure is uh, not sure how old it is, not sure how many times it's been thawed and refrozen, uh, and you're like, eh, fuck it, whatever, I'll eat it. Don't, don't. That was a really bad idea. It was a very poor decision. We've been making all kinds of bad dietary decisions, so not. I can't time as we've discussed. Who knows how long time is actually anymore, but. We had been getting, very much like you, not a fresh direct. We use a different service called uh, uh, Every Plate. Same difference. Okay. You know, they send you the recipes and everything. And, and it had been a more fiscally conservative choice for us than shopping and buying too much stuff. And we only need this many meals. And it was working out for a while while we were cooking. Well, obviously, COVID, a lot of stress, a lot of stress eating, a lot of pizza, a lot of different things. We haven't been using a lot of our meals. And so they sort of gather up in the fridge. 
And so it then begins those questions where you're like, well, how long can we keep ground beef? X. Onions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the science experiment you're having Lots going of guesses. On your... <laughs> A lot of things you shouldn't be guessing on. <laughs> And so uh, we've decided to maybe cut back and, and start trying to focus a little bit. But every time you're in a good enough headspace these past few months to make some decisions, you know it's only a matter of a couple of days before something else turns Truly. the corner. You know what I mean? Truly. Yeah. No, it is a, it is a tough time to do any number of things right now. But uh, anyway, uh, yes, it, frozen broccoli, 99 cents. Just go get some more. It's yeah. not that big of a deal. Yeah. Except All you right. gotta take the garbage right out because broccoli is one of those things. You know, there's a there's a subset of food yeah. that when it's in the, the garbage can, it smells like farts, and broccoli is one of those things. Yes. It is it a super fart. No, <laughs> no, no question. Brussels sprouts, <laughs> broccoli, lots of stuff. Right, right. There's uh, any number of vegetables I will blame for the smell that just came <laughs> out of me. <laughs> Fair. All right. Well, we have a jam-packed episode today, so we have to get right into it. Starting with the loudest of all of our segments, entitled... Yeah, so uh, last night, we, uh, Jillian and I, we were watching an HBO movie called Bad Education. With uh, Hugh Jackman um, and... Uh, oh my god, where's my brain? Alice and Janney. I adore okay. Alice and Janney. Love Alice and Janney. We are big fans right now. Uh, and so, uh, really fun movie. It's a, a true story about a, a superintendent in, in uh, Long Island who was scamming his district and okay. siphoning out millions of dollars to say the other thing. But guess who shows up as Alice and Janney's husband in the movie, but Ray Abruzzo. Hey! One of only two cops in all <laughs> of Boston he also is uh, is Allison Janney's husband, who may or may not be part of the plot to skim money from uh, the Long Island School District. Okay, sounds good. Was it enjoyable? It was great. It was great. I we did, we did a lot of research, as we always do, every time we see anything based on a true story. Right. We go down the rabbit hole researching all of the, the true pieces of it. Right. And uh, in interesting fashion, the guy who uh, the movie's about, who Hugh Jackman plays, didn't object to any of the telling of all the criminal plots he was up to, but wanted to make it very clear that he did not cheat on his husband, that they had an open <laughs> relationship. So uh, whatever your name is, the guy who played, all right, you're off the hook. I don't think you cheated on your husband. So odd what we stick to. The, the criminal conspiracy, steering, stealing millions of dollars from uh, public school kids. Eh, yeah, I did that. But fair enough. We, draw, we all draw our line somewhere. I love a Hugh Jackman joint. He's very good, and he was he was very good in this. I don't want to cheer him on because he's so good looking and talented, and I want to envy him. But he's just he's just so damn charismatic. He is. He is. No, he's he's a very likable dude, and a good actor. So, what right, you got? Yeah, and also, I'm sure you've been watching just a ton of sports ball. Obviously, it's the NHL oh, playoffs. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh. If you thought you weren't going to get a lot of sports ball in the next couple of weeks, you are wrong. I know. We've been so starved for it. I've been watching hockey, which I have not watched in so many years. And so I'm trying yeah. to like not only Uber out on my Philly fandom, but also remember how hockey is played. Oh, well, you know, you can always talk to me. I, I've, I was thinking about I would really enjoy being a high school hockey coach. I feel like I could actually do that. Not in Canada, but somewhere where hockey is not popular. Interesting. 
Okay. But also, you know, baseball's still happening, although you you questioned how long it would last, but it's still sort of going. I'm surprised. Although, I'm shocked. Although, a lot of questions about legitimacy here. Obviously, I'm happy to have any, any sports being played at all, but when you shrink a season down so short, you know, baseball's usually 163 games. Right. Now it's only 60 games. But at best case scenario, some of those teams, I'm looking at you, St. Louis, will only have played 40-some games. So is the seeding really relevant? So what? what is the tiebreaker? Are they going on win percentage? I, I have no idea. I mean, there's still hope that they're going to try to back-to-back a lot of these doubleheaders to get all the 60 games played. But here's the thing. With this new rules for this season, when they play doubleheaders, the games are only seven innings each. Oh, interesting. And for all games, when they go into extra innings, they start with a runner on second. Oh, So it's just like random new rules that yeah, isn't... Especially for a sport where like it's really all about the stats. Because there's no real athletic sport things happening there. It's basically just like a stat generator. Yeah, and you're going to have so, a bunch of MVP-type players who are going to have incredible stats this year because in a shortened sprint, you know, you're going to have guys batting 400 and stuff. So Right. But it's a mess. It's a mess. It's all a mess. Okay. But hockey's real. Hockey, they're hockey's doing really great. well. I got to tell you, hockey's great. So I'm very great. excited about it. I forgot how great yeah. hockey is. Yeah, yeah. Well, when, and your uh, Philly won last night. That was good. We did two and all one. Right. All right. Uh, we are not going to continue. We're going to spare you the sports ball until the sports ball segment. So don't skip ahead because we have... Oh, wait. You have a, more TV. I have Talk. a ton oh. of stuff. ton of stuff. Oh, you just knock it out, buddy. All right, so the first thing, we've been on a binge. So, it's an HBO show called I'll Be Gone uh, in the Dark. It's a docu-series. Mm-hmm. It is based, it's a six-part docu-series. It's based loosely, I think, on the book by uh, Michelle McNamara called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. And this docu-series is fascinating. It is, on one level, about the crime spree, the rapes and murders and break-ins of the East Area race rapist. He's uh, probably racist, too. Probably racist, too. Uh, also known as the original Night Stalker, so they called him, like, Eron's. One of the most notorious, notorious killers in the late uh, early 80s, late 70s, all through the uh, San, uh, San Antonio Sacramento. area. Sacramento. 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 But eluded capture for 40 years, this guy. And... So it's it's about that on one level and the sort of hunt and the crime surrounding this person, this guy. But at the same time, it's also exploring uh, Michelle McNamara's sort of obsession with the case. She was sort of a, a podcaster and a writer and a true crime. And an amateur sleuth. She was yeah. not in any way official. Correct. They use the term citizen detective quite a bit, um, which reminds, which calls to mind other documentaries on Netflix sort of don't F with cats and and sort of it's also at the same time about that and also the explosion of the the true crime true crime genre that we're sort of all obsessed with podcast form docuseries form sure, you name sure. it you know and what I like about this docuseries is in don't F with cats it sort of focuses on the sort of looney tune type people who get obsessed in these sort of communities this right. is much more focused on the people actually doing the grunt work, the detective like work. Real, actual, legitimate work. Yes, and just the obsession it takes, but also the sort of dark alleys that brings you down mentally when you're just steeped in these 
I mean, she was she was in that. I'm sure you can speak to this, Keith. She was in that push to finish her book. That last kind of that last push to get the book finished, and trying to right. finish a book on a deadline whilst inside of 67 case file boxes of just the most gruesome murders you can see, while handling her own addiction. She was dealing with addiction issues. So it's also sort of about that. On top of that, it's about her relationship with P Patton Oswald and what it's like- Her husband. To, her husband. To be the partner of someone who is dealing with their creative pursuit, the depression that goes with that, the insanity that goes with that. And it's just, it's about all of these things, which could lead to it to be just kind of a mess. But somehow the balance is really well done it never sensationalizes either the crimes or the sort of story of this because the uh, McNamara actually die ends up dying of the, right right. I, I believe they've sort of settled on it's a accidental overdose. Mm. Yikes. Anyway, it's about all of these things, and it, it and I think it serves all of these these through lines. And at the end, we were just emotionally devastated, but there is this crazy resolution that I think is not really a spoiler, but I'll save what it is, but there is resolution. There's a satisfying conclusion. Well, there's a conclusion. I don't know if it's satisfying. It's satisfying on some levels and some, it's just really sad. But it, it and it's also about the victims. I mean, it really is wonderful. I really can't recommend it enough. The book was a huge hit, but I have to recommend the documentary because I, I just think it's wonderful. Well, this episode brought to you by HBO. Yes, HBO it's Max. not TV. Yep. It's HBO. Okay, so moving away from HBO, I also have been watching a uh, documentary series called Connected. This one's on Netflix. And uh, it's Connected, The Hidden Science of Everything. It's a docuseries where uh, this journalist, I can't remember what, what he writes for, but his name is uh, Latif Nasser. And he investigates, they loosely say how we're all interconnected, but really what it is, it's a science podcast. So it's it's been really great. I, I'll I'll skip it. Just I think if you're sort of a nerd, I was talking about smarter every day last week or two weeks ago. It's it's in a similar vein. He explores different. Uh, he was in fact the last one I was watching. He was talking with a archaeologist who studies poop, like the oldest oh. human poop ever found, fifty thousand years old. And probably learn a fair amount from it. Exactly about what you can learn from different things. So it's 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 a cool show. I've been digging it. In addition to that, we've been watching, Jen and I have been watching a docuseries called Unwell, which is about the wellness industry. And it sort of uh, looks at the pros of a certain thing and then the cons. So we were looking at this one on essential oils and some some of the amazing health benefits that essential oils have been shown to help with. But then it shows the other side, like the multi-level multi marketing scheme industry that's built up around essential oils right now, and then people who- Yeah, are it feels like a pyramid it. scheme. Yes, so it yeah. shows both sides of these things, and there's one I was watching on the honey industry and bees and, and all kinds of stuff. Oh, so, I think I saw that one. That was great. Yeah, so that's been really- All the fake really, honey out there. That's been really cool. We've been watching those three things. And then in addition to that in sports, I've also, me and Jen have been getting into, and I will save an entire segment for this at a time because uh, I get really passionate about it should probably be on a separate podcast about it. It's a show called Big Brother. You either think it's huh. the stupidest thing in the world or you're in. I think it, it is an amazing confluence of, imagine, if you will, the crazy, 
sociopolitical dynamic that was high school. Just all the different personalities right. and the different, just cr- the evil that people can do to one another whilst lying to their faces. Mix that with crazy, stupid challenges a la The Floor is Lava or Wipeout or any of those stupid kind of shows you see. Fuse those together and then mix it with a survivor element where you're voting these people off. And also you have zero contact with the outside world. So you're basically in complete, uh, you're being observed while in complete denial of any outside stimulus. So it is just putting human beings into a circumstance they should not be put into and then (laughs) making them go at each other. So it's just fascinating to me on a, a lot of levels, but it's also gross. So I, I hard, it's hard to recommend it, but I'm addicted to it. Well, uh, you heard it here first. Uh, 2007 called and said, thanks for the plug for the old <laughs> for Big Brother. Yeah. You know, I hear Survivor's good too. <laughs> Survivor is great, yeah. So anyway, that's no. uh, that's more no, TV. That, no, I, I totally get it. Yeah, no, I, I, I will admit to my guilty pleasure trash show is Hell's Kitchen. Uh, I, I I really I enjoy the whole uh, Gordon Ramsay genre, and he plays like six different versions of himself in each different show. Uh, but the trashiest one is is good fun. I like watching the dum dums scream at each other. Okay, <laughs> it's now time to move on to filings and subpoenas. Filings oh. and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Okay, we've got a couple of really interesting messages this week, starting with a voicemail from our old friend. It's Phoenix Cage. It is. I'm calling in so Welcome. that Keith can't twist my words. I, I, I object already. Denied. I have never just, twisted, but uh, I, I'm just now, lazy. Overall. I just don't. Uh, okay, guys. Proceed. I have to object. D.A. Marcia Scott for MVL. This is for the episode uh, Black Widows. Really? Every other week we see our team take guilty people and get them a verdict of not guilty. She takes a clear the guilty person and in only 27 minutes has a jury come back with not guilty. Mm-hmm. And that's your MVL? Not mine. Maybe now I'm the one arguing for decision based on the results. But well, okay. Everyone- Objection! I will object now to your own hypocrisy. But I'll, I see, I was looking at it from the standpoint of were I a juror, naturally I am I am I have a bias towards not guilty. And in this situation, I still had a bias towards not guilty, but she turned me based on what she was saying. So that is how I adjudicated most valuable law. Kind lawyer. of lost. I definitely agree with you, Keith, that no matter how you slice it, Poppy made a bad call. Pleading down to second degree murder is like folding a big pot instead of throwing in your last chip. Yes. As you said, he had little to gain and everything to lose. When your whole life is on the line, you throw in that last chip, no matter how certain defeat seemed. Yes. Although, to be honest, it doesn't even matter since none of this was believable. After the Black Widow doomed herself on the stand, it was over. No juror would let her get away with murder twice, only to have the chance to do it again. Well, so in that case, you're not objecting to the MBL. You're objecting to the writing of that episode by having the jury behave unrealistically. Okay. 
Now I have to address a casual comment that was made and seconded on the previous podcast. I am not, as you insinuated, cloud lover. Nor am I Tom Brady. I know I may be lacking some credibility, given the production that has gone into some of my voice messages, but I can assure you, I have better things to do than to pretend to be three out of four of your regular correspondents. <laughs> you do, in fact, have more listeners than just me and Leanne Wright. You don't know that. <laughs> and just to prove that I'm not Tom Brady... Well, that's something I never thought I'd have to say. <laughs> just to prove that I'm not Tom Brady, I'm going to put forth a motion... Okay. To retire the award for being Tom Brady. Oh. It was funny. It was funny. But the joke has ran its course, don't you think? Whoa. I'd personally like to see your time and Shots Photoshop fired. skills applied to other things. And I shouldn't even have to tell you that I'm not Cloud Lover. My God, the idea that I would actually finance that segment. <laughs> you know, I'm starting to suspect that you guys might be intentionally, or at least subconsciously, Wasting your talents on trivial segments. Oh, well, I've been wasting I've been... my talents for many years on many I things. I mean, <laughs> we're doing this podcast. If you want to get into the bigger picture of wasting our talents, <laughs> well, actually, that brings further. me to I'll, uh, if you're not Tom Brady, I'll I'll, I'll agree to that. If you're not okay. a crowd lover, I'll agree to that. But that we'll last stipulate comment, it. We'll put it on the record. That last comment makes me think maybe you're my mom. <laughs> Because that dis that disappointment and and belief in me <laughs> wasting my talent and time sounds awfully familiar. Wait, no, it all makes sense now. Because originally you thought it was your brother because of Phoenix, because he used that as his wrestling persona, right? Right, right. Okay, so now let's let's walk it through. So your mother is like, I need to get Mike to finally do something with his life. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to invent a character to tell him, to give him life advice on his podcast. Mm -hmm. Oh, what's a great pseudonym? Well, oh, my son used something like that. So it's it's already connected to your family to begin with. And now, so she's out there. She goes on, like, goes to Radio Shack, gets one of those voice modulators. Okay. And has bought herself a microphone. So she's, like, literally setting up a Radio Shack in your childhood kitchen to send you this message. Yeah, I mean the biggest the biggest counter argument to this theory is that my mom can't even figure out how to work a crock pot. So the technology she would need in order to pull off this scam is pretty intense unless it's all ruse. Well, maybe she decided to stop wasting her talents with crock pot cookery and getting into technological tomfoolery. I do want to say this. Well, actually, I could save it to the end, but I, I will say this. I have a friend who works for the NF, uh, NFL Network, and he's a Philly guy, and we went to high school together. We worked at camp together, and he just right. got assigned to Tampa Bay to cover Brady. So I oh. might have to reach out to him and see if we can't uh, get a free well, cameo. Although, funny you say that, but okay. we'll we'll get to that later. Okay. But that's a really good setup. All right, let us continue. Because then it won't matter if they're bad. You won't be emotionally invested in them. I'm not emotionally invested now. The problem with that approach is even if they're great, no one cares. And no, I won't count Cloud Lover because he or she is just a clever satirist. And Tom Brady has been quiet for so long 
by now he's probably moved on to an L.A. law podcast where he's writing in <laughs> as Peyton Manning. <laughs> Zing. Now, I Zing. know that if I tell you to focus your efforts on something more meaningful, you might end up quitting the podcast. Unlikely. But I'm yeah. going to take that chance because made I really vow. do think you're ready to move on to we something did. more creative and ambitious than your old segments. And I know you're ambitious because you've successfully taken this podcast to video. So let's keep going. Let some of the old segments go. <laughs> they're, they're like training wheels, and you've outgrown them. Continuing to do them comes, at the very least, with a cost of opportunity. I mean, how many ideas have gone unexplored because you were busy photoshopping Tom Brady in a boy band? Well, hold on. I will say I I'm going to agree and disagree. There yeah. have been ideas we have floated that have not been tossed away. They're just sitting idly by because things are very busy and we, uh, trust me, Keith and I enjoy doing this podcast and we have other projects we do want to work on. I, but, you're, but you're right in that they have been waylaid. Is that a word? Because it sounds like it should yeah. be. Yeah. Uh, but I can tell you that the reason for said delay has nothing to do with Keith's photoshopping because I feel that that pro isn't, doesn't take as much effort as we think. No, no. I Yeah, I, I have a million thoughts. Uh, but first off, the Tom Brady photoshops have about a 90 second clock. If I can't do it in 90 <laughs> seconds, I don't do it. <laughs> so it's not really eating into much of anything. Uh, but I, 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 I think Phoenix has has a really interesting point here, though, I and I, I think it's. I mean, it's it's clear he's a good therapist um, or a good psychologist. But because there is definitely a lot of layers of truth to that in all mm -hmm. my entire life and existence, tossing off projects so as not to have to take the emotional risk of planting a flag. Oh, that's so, my whole career. Yeah, no, and 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 clearly, I I think that's that is definitely true, and this podcast is sort of an example of that. Um, so the the very thing you're defending is the very thing that proves your point, yeah. <laughs> actually. Uh, and so uh, you're absolutely right. Shut up, phone. I, I think Phoenix is right about that sort of psychological inclination. I think where where you're not seeing the full picture is that these there are many 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 other things that we are doing simultaneously and this this podcast for me especially is a way to blow off steam in a silly fashion while I'm working on something much more serious uh you know with other uh at other times so this is sort of my my release as opposed to this is the thing that the release valve, so I can put my creativity into more serious things uh, as opposed to the other way around. So I think you're exactly right. It's just need to zoom out one more layer for me yeah, personally. Yeah, I mean, if we could talk all I, day about this. Because I like while I've done this in the last month, I've finished a musical, I've finished a screenplay, I've done blah, 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 I'm working on the third novel. Like I'm, I'm doing a lot of other things that this is just the fun part. Yeah, I mean, I, I speak the exact same thing. I, I'm helping this startup get a new production company off the ground, working two full-time jobs. It's a lot. We're moving. Um, but right. that's not to say we are not taking this seriously, I guess, is is we set up, we determined long ago we were going to pick a really niche subject and sort of let it 
self-guide how much effort we would put into marketing and sponsorships and things like that. There are podcasters who really go for it. And I think probably to your point, we've sort of not pursued a lot of those things effectively or motivated properly to, to, to get some traction under the guise of, well, it's, it's so niche. I don't know if we could even crack the egg anyway. So look, there's, you've, you've definitely shrunk us real good. Uh, no, no <laughs> doubt. But all of that said, I think, you know, Keith and I even had a little text conversation about a lot of things you say, like we want to, we, every, every season, when we turn over to the next season, we reevaluate what we've done, what's working, what we might want to do. And we will continue to do that. Uh, however, our, our humor is first to make each other laugh and or make fun of each other, followed by, will people like it? <laughs> you oh. know what I mean? A thousand percent. This is um, the, we're we are not doing this for fame and fortune. We're doing it because it makes us giggle, and and makes us talk to each other on a regular basis. In fact, I will say that I'm even using Phoenix's voicemail this week to excuse me for not having done any time machine weather this week because oh. I was actually working on doing a ridiculous thing. For Keith's other podcast, so uh, oh, that's so right. many worlds are colliding. Oh my, yeah, that's true. This is not even my only podcast. All right, anyway, anyway. Uh, now, for your last point about specifically the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady and whether or not that should uh, that segment has been should be retired because we have not heard from Tom in a long time that's true. and uh, perhaps the dead horse has been beaten into a liquid pulp of horse slurry. Uh, but I feel like absolutely disgusting. I'm a horror novelist. This is what I come up with. Uh, so I think that is the absolute point of it is that it, we're, we're trying, we're trying to letterman. It stopped being funny a long time ago, but if we keep doing it by season seven, it's going to be funny again. But uh, just to be sure, I gave a call to uh, I, I to to a good friend, uh, oh. and uh, just this a, here's a snippet of our conversation, the conversation I had with Tom Brady. So Tom, every week for the last two seasons, we've given you an award at the end of every show. Thank you, I appreciate it. And you're a loyal listener of the show. Yeah, I'm so proud to be a part of this. Well, you should be. It's a great honor. Now, we have taken some criticism about how much effort we put into this. You know, it took a kind of a miraculous effort to, to do it. <laughs> and uh, just so happy that we were able to get it accomplished. Yeah, so uh, what do you do with your Oopsie Awards? Yeah, I put it in my bag and then I came out and it wasn't there anymore. So Oh, no. It's unfortunate because that's a nice piece of memorabilia. So if it shows up on eBay somewhere, someone let me know. I'll try to track that down. So you think we should still continue to hand out the award at the end of every episode? You know, it was just a great way to finish. Well, obviously. Well, thanks for uh, stopping by, Tom. Do you have anything else you want to say? It's an honor to be here and have you present us with this trophy. Um, you know, it certainly means a lot. And, uh, you know, my kids will be happy to see that trophy. They always ask, Daddy, what about the trophy? And, uh, you know, I get to bring them one home, so it's pretty cool. Well, I like your chances of continuing to be a winner here on the Out of Practice Podcast and a loser on the field. Okay, so that was my conversation with Tom Brady, who uh, appreciates his award every week. He's really excited about the trophy. He's really pissed he lost it. Yeah, I mean, when when you see that much commitment from Tom, it's hard to 
it's hard. It would be hard to to take that away from him, you know. I, I yeah. I mean, it's not for us that we will continue to do this award forever, including mm-hmm. on the next podcast that we do, just because we're dicks. <laughs> but it's important <laughs> to Tom. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah. So, uh, if, if if Phoenix, if if your goal was to reverse psychologize us into doing more Tom Brady, maybe that proves the initial point to begin with that you are Tom Brady and just wow. trying to reverse psychology us into giving you more awards. You heard it here first. Just thoughts here for the podcast. Okay, it is time to move forward. Oh, you know what? I actually know there's one more thing I wanted to point out. Uh, oh, okay. I got an email, a personal email this week from uh, one of our founding sponsors, uh, Jennifer Masanova. And I won't go into the details or read it or anything. I don't think it was for public consumption. I don't think she would mind. But, uh, you know, as Keith and I have both mentioned, we're in the process of moving or looking to move or to relocate or whatnot. And I've, we've also mentioned that with Broadway and the theater business kind of on, uh, let's be positive and say hiatus. You know, my wife has been looking for work and, and, and all kinds of stuff. And Jennifer has some connections and works in HR and has reached out and really graciously offered to, uh, you know, play matchmaker and kind of help us in that, in that job search or in getting a resume up and, and running and just, you know, has really just offered to be a help and, I got to tell you, I don't know the feeling it's, I feel bad. I haven't been able to get back to her just yet. We've been really busy, but it's, it's really neat, Keith. You know, when we started this, we were hopeful that we'd have listeners and and Phoenix even mentioned it. Despite our best efforts at times, we have people listening to the show. (laughs) Uh, Not only do we appreciate that for you guys, you know, going on this weird journey of watching all these episodes again, back to back to back, but also for sort of becoming a part of a, a community and and being so willing to help and to have conversations and to just interact in any way, shape, or form, be it on social media or a personal email or just a hey guys, you know, thanks. Or it's really been awesome. And then even Marla Sokolov today, we talk about her all the time, uh, reposted one of our Instagram posts, and it's and I guess what I'm getting at is just a brief moment of humility and just saying we're really thankful. Thank you for writing in. Thank you for thinking of us even personally outside of the show and and being so helpful or willing to help. It's It really means a yeah. lot uh, just for my hope in humanity and and the perseverance of friendship and uh, yeah. and uh, just 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 a thank you. I thought I'd throw it in here too. No, I, I and and no, and I I I feel exactly the same way to, to Jennifer to Phoenix to everybody. Like it's it is really uh, fun and gratifying to be building a uh, our tiny little community of like minded folks up here on the interwebs. Look, even in those times where we have to record three back to back episodes just to cover our our asses because I'm going on a cruise or Keith has got to go look at a house or something's happening, I. You know, you can ask found uh, CEO Jen. I'm never saying, "Oh, I gotta go do the podcast." I gotta, I gotta. It's it's never that. I always feel like it's a fun. It's one of the few fun things that and wasting time playing video games when I can. Uh, these are my two hobbies currently. So there you go. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, it is time to actually get into the hobby part of this. 42 minutes into the episode, it is time to hop back into the time machine. 
to talk about The Practice Season 4, Episode 18, Till Death Do Us No, it's heart. not. It's not about that at all. Don't we have to go this, to it, it, yeah, it, we're gonna this do thing it. in the basement? Oh, you're just your segue is thrown. I'm me. just oh, <laughs> I'm tearing it up, professional. Because because the episode season four episode eighteen till death do us part aired gotcha. on April thirtieth two thousand, which brings up our eternal question: What were we doing this day in the basement? April thirtieth, the year two thousand. And what were you doing, Dex? I was still at home. Uh, April thirtieth, we are at. April thirtieth. All right, so uh, we're getting we're two weeks away. Remind, I have to remind myself in two weeks. It's my dad's last birthday. That's weird and dark. Uh, Oof. But we're moving into a really challenging time in my life, where I was, you know, questioning what I'm doing with my life, and also dealing with, you know, I, I have the unfortunate experience of the last year of my dad's life was really kind of uh, challenging in that well it's look losing a parent is never not challenging and any way it goes down is going to be terrible but my dad got really sick and then we were going in and out of of, of nursing homes and at home care and him getting better and getting worse and, and just kind of slowly going downhill and that all starts basically on his birthday this year, so in a few weeks. Uh, but before we kind of get into that stuff, which is going to get heavy, I wanted to talk about a really interesting time, thing in my life I've mentioned before, which is I had rode in high school and I had rode slight sm for a small bit of time in college. And somehow, I wish I could remember how it really originated, but as I'm at home now and struggling to kind of figure out what I'm doing, my dad was was getting sick. And so my brother, sister, and I had to kind of help pay some bills. And I got a job working for my old high school, coaching the novice or the freshman boys and girls crew team. Uh, oh, interesting. My coach, I didn't know that. yeah, I wasn't like a great rower in high school, but somehow he had heard that I was back in the neighborhood and, and asked me to come on. And it was one of the best experiences I ever had. These kids taught me so much, and it taught me about being a leader. And it just so happens that exactly from this time period, uh, we have a photograph I'm going to show. Oh, fun! Yeah. Um, oh, look at all those little rowers. Yeah, so I am and way, <laughs> I'm way I on, you. I guess, the left of the screen. Ah! <laughs> So that's me. I clearly look like I'm depressed <laughs> and, and, and stress eating, but uh, no, you look oh, wow. jacked. Okay, yeah. You know what? I'll take jacked. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I, like I, you know, that'd be a good guy to arm wrestle. Yeah. So look, this was I, I did it this season, and then the following season, uh, once my dad was a, uh, passed away, um, and that was a whole different a whole different box of tools I learned uh, from this experience after he passes. But here, it was sort of the first time ever I ever held any sort of leadership position. And it was during a time when I was feeling a lot of guilt and worthlessness in my personal life uh, mm. because of, you know, my how I thought my parents were viewing me. And so this was a really, it could have, it, it was like a fulcrum. I, I could have gone a really dark route. I'm prone to clinical depression anyway, but these kids 
uh, taught me a hell of a lot about myself and about what I could accomplish and that I could be a leader and that you didn't have to be great at something in order to be a good coach and that yeah. leadership uh, can affect kids. And so I'm really thankful to Brian Perkins, who's, who was behind me in that picture there. He's gone on to coach uh, the Temple Rowing Program <clears throat> and also, I believe, one of the, the junior national teams. So he's, I don't, know, I don't know how it came to be that he knew I was home and he, he offered me this opportunity, but I'll be forever grateful for it. So that's my this day in the basement. Uh, go UM crew. No, that's that's really interesting. And I I certainly find, and I think it's sort of like an accepted truth, that frequently when you need the most help, what is most helpful is to help someone else. Mm. And and that like it's it, it is certainly uh a great way to battle against all of those, you know, feelings of worthlessness or 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 depression, or whatever, just helping people. And I, cause certainly I've, I suffer from all of the same things and always have. And, and when I have an opportunity to be of use, mm -hmm. to be of service, it, it's really hard to feel useful and depressed at the same time. Yeah. That's fair. So I think that's, that's really interesting. That's a great, that's a great story. I've actually a specific to that. And I'll save this for a, another podcast. <clears throat> really crazy story happened that first year where uh, I'll just give you a teaser. We were getting in the boat and rowing and the girls hit some uh, dead wood, like a log. And I went in my little motorboat to clear the log. Turned out not to be a log. Turned out to be a stiff corpse. And No way. Yeah, and there was a whole story. The cops came. There's a whole cool story that- Holy uh, if, shit. If we were that to ever have most... a podcast revolving around stories that we shouldn't tell, uh, that'll <clears> be <throat> on there. Yeah, we have a theme song, just no episodes. Yeah, uh- <laughs> Yeah, boy, that is the most Philly thing I've ever heard. Were you in the Skookle? We were in the Skookle. Yeah, sure were. <laughs> and the cop was like, did you touch it? I was like, yeah, I touched it. What do you know? I just, it was there. I had to get it out of the way. Oh. Yeah. Wow, that's grim. Wow, I can't yeah. wait to hear that story. It's a cool story. Yeah. That All right, is... what about you? What, were, what was happening up in Rochester, New York in well, that spring I, of 2000? Nothing quite so as exciting as uh, finding a body but april 30th is my mother's birthday happy birthday mom so what i was doing was uh calling her to wish her happy birthday using what we olds uh used to refer to as a calling card a phone card because that was how you had to do long distance now if you're not an old long distance it used to matter how far away the person was that you were calling on your phone and uh, could be very expensive if you were calling long distance, which it was from Rochester to New York. But I, I definitely, especially my freshman year, but my freshman sophomore year, I clung to that calling card. I called home a lot because mm -hmm. I didn't have a lot else going on. So that was sort of my lifeline was that old uh, little red calling card I used to go and use. In well, the you know how you get like iTunes gift cards or Amazon gift card for right. presents now. It used to be back in the day as a good gift was like a a 200 minute calling card because you could right. use that. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a big deal to call anywhere. And this, you know, this was my parents were paying for it. It was great. I mean, to be fair, I only called them because I had literally no one else in the world that I could call at that point. Uh, so it was a good investment for them. I'm trying but. to remember. Did you have a? Did we have dorm phones in our dorm rooms, or did would we have to yeah. go to like a pay phone or something? No, no, no. There, there was a there was a phone in all of our dorm rooms, 
Um, but it was just local. It wasn't hooked up to long distance. You, you, it wasn't included with it. But yeah, that, that was my sad phone that never rang because I was too afraid to have friends. Yay! Uh, so much has <laughs> changed, or has it? <laughs> Look, okay, well, it is now time to talk about... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcast's This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Okay, so we are talking about April. Still. It is still going. Santana is still crushing it with Maria Maria. And this is... A guy, like a street musician, just shredding on this. Thought I would would enjoy it. So, the cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about honeybee colonies in peril. Uh, we, That's uh, interesting. Uh, weren't we just talking about that in more TV? Yes, we were. Yes, well, we clearly solved that. But interesting that, that we were talking about that 20 years ago. Still a thing. The top movie was U571 in its second week of domination. Took in $12 million. It was a submarine disaster movie starring Matthew McConaughey, uh, uh, Bill Paxton, Harvey Keitel, and John Bon Jovi. So many movies we talk about during this segment that I just don't remember. It must be a facet of, I guess I wasn't going to movies a lot. Doing a lot of blockbuster renting. Yeah. Yeah. No, fair enough. I never one of the movies because we didn't have a car in Rochester and there was no walkable movie theater except for a small indie theater uh, but I saw so, like I went there and I saw like Boys Don't Cry and it murdered me I like I will never see it again it absolutely maybe killed not me. the best turn of phrase there but you know, same difference yeah well I definitely cried listen to this guy shred it's like sitting in a mall okay Thank you, Damien Salazar. I'll actually yeah, he, credit he, you if you, if you shred plug, on yeah. that. Uh, and that means it's time. It's time. It's time. It's time, it's time for sports. Sports, sports, sports. The NHL playoffs have begun, and the Flyers are in the semifinals against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Today, the Flyers fell behind 2-0 in the series after dropping its second straight game at home 4-1. The third period featured 128 penalty minutes with seven majors for fighting and six misconducts. Future head coach Rick Tockett picked up 29 penalty minutes in one sequence. Keith lost his ever-loving mind, even though the Flyers lost. And here's a little clip of it all going crazy. So this is a five-on-five brawl. The goalies get involved. Oh, this is Backlund. It was Boucher. So this is... Uh, yeah, it's back when hockey was hockey. Oh, I miss it. I miss it. 40, almost 40, and I still don't understand the offsides rule, but we're getting there. I'll explain it to you off-air when I am the out-of-practice podcast official hockey coach. Now, I want to oh. point out that in, in, in deference to the immense amount of thought that we're giving to Phoenix's uh, uh, constructive criticisms, yes, I will be taking this week off of Time Machine Weather to just decide how it can be better implemented to service our listeners. 
yes. How can we better service our listeners by giving them a weather report from 20 years ago? <laughs> listen, listen, it happened. No, weather. well, I, I mean, whether did. you like it or not. Ooh. <laughs> Where is it? I have it somewhere. Comedian. There Damn it right. is. You're damn right. <laughs> okay. So we're not doing the weather segment. Not this week. No. Okay. Then I can't say what the future will hold. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. This episode is season four, episode 18, till death do us part. 19. It- episode 19. Oh, yeah. I keep saying that wrong because I didn't update it on my sheet. I have a. I should show you the rundown sometime. It's very complicated. This was written by David E. Kelly, Alphonse H. Moreno, and a new writing team uh, who worked together, Nora K. Foster and Adam Armas, who wrote together on Xena, Hercules, Birds of Prey, Heroes, and American Odyssey. It was directed by first time for the practice director, Dwayne Clark, who directed on Hawaii Five-0, the CSI series, all of them, the Highlander TV show, and this is the first of seven episodes he will do with the practice. This leaves us with only one eternal question. I liked that Highlander TV show. What is that supposed to be? Did you? I, I love the movie. Like the movie. The is this what happens to women when you insert your yeah. penis? I've seen a warrior for What? Yeah. What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? Keith, I'm nothing if not honest. Yes. And so I need to insert a something that I've never had to do before. <clears throat> oh. and it goes a little bit something like this. Spoiler warning! <laughs> what the hell was that? What are you spoiling? Nothing. I have to say that as I was getting the rundown up or my uh, IMDb up today, I actually saw the first sentence of the synopsis. Oh, now, no. The previously on this week is reminding us what happened with Eleanor's case when she was denied to take the new DNA test. And so obviously right. we're going to revisit her continued pursuit of that capital uh, murder charge. Right. But then I saw something about Rebecca's case this week. Yeah. And my suspicion is that that's what the show's about. It's Rebecca's case and Eleanor's case. And so I don't want to make a prediction uh, that I, I, I know what I think. I, I just, there, it happened. I saw it and I, I just don't want to okay. pretend like I All didn't right. see it. So uh, this week's new segment Mike bails on his segments. All right. You know what that means. It is time for everyone to switch over to your favorite podcasting service. Oh, wait. You know what? Before I do this, <laughs> I, 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 I have an objection. To, uh, to, and to I, us or to me? No, to our listeners. You're going to object to our listeners? I have an object. I have a bone to pick. Oh boy! With our fair listeners, and that we don't have is... enough of them to alienate any. I know, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just saying I have not had a chance to play this bumper. 
Mr. Foreman, the jury has reached its verdict. Madam Foreperson, has the jury reached a verdict? Well, no one's in the jury. What say you? I'm just saying, folks. We have not had a chance to welcome a new member to the jury in a long time. And what that the the new to join the jury, you must leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or a different service. Just let us know where it is so we know to look for it. It's actually very important for us if we want to have more than our four listeners. And uh, that would re- would be really nice if you would uh, join the jury. We'll 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 shout you out. We'll read your name. We'll read whatever you know fun things you write. Do us a favor. Leave us a rating and review, and if you already have, you're hanging out in the sweet-ass jury box you're getting to order off the menu for lunch. They bring it in. It's takeout. It's, you know, you you do have a $15 minimum on your lunch, but, like, you can get a fair amount for $15 for lunch. Well, speaking of that, Keith, and unrelated entirely but somewhat related, for those of you, we back to HBO, for those of you who aren't watching We're never going to do this episode. Last week, tonight... On John Oliver, for those of you not watching, you need to watch last week at least, did a whole breakdown on how fucked up jury selection in this country is and how to this day it's rife with racism and classism and how they do everything they can do to disenfranchise uh, black jury members. Um, Wadir is basically, let's find the most racist people we can get. Yeah, and they actually have clips of law professors teaching students how to be racist but get away with it, you know, back in the 90s, which is where we are right now. Uh, So adding to the More TV segment, watch John Oliver last week tonight, this week's, this past Sunday's. So what you're saying is that if they don't leave us a rating and review, is they're racist? Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying that, but it's being softly implicated. You're not not saying it is what you're saying. You're right. What I'm also not doing is running any ads for Anchor because Anchor don't want us. We don't want them. <laughs> Click on the QR code. We'll see you after the episode uh, for the oopsies. Season four, episode 19, Till Death Do Us Part. Okay. Pennsylvania Supreme Court turned us down last night which means we have to go to federal circuit court under what's called a successor petition. Just to get the DNA test? It gets worse. Since his last lawyer previously filed a habeas petition, under federal law, we don't get another chance unless we can pretty much prove that he's innocent and that his constitutional rights were violated. Wait, 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 wait. We're, we're trying to get the DNA bucks. test in order to prove that he's innocent, but we can't get that test unless we prove that he's innocent first? Right. How the hell can that be? I don't know. But Stuart Donovan is set to be put to death in 17 days. So that means between now and then, we have to somehow prove that he's innocent. And that there was a constitutional violation. This sounds worse than California. Thanks for your input. Zing! (laughs) I mean, I think that's a fascinating place to start. I mean, good Lord, the bars... The bar you have to pass to get a uh, to reopen a trial is just absurd. Proving that you're innocent isn't enough. You also have to prove a constitutional violation. Now that seems ridiculous to me. I think I think you know innocence should be enough of a bar to reopen a case. Now, do you think it's more or less ridiculous than? 
deciding you might lose with mail-in voting, so you just get a stooge to remove all of the mailboxes physically. Unfucking believable. That is <laughs> I mean, another podcast. We don't have time for my thoughts about that. But it's a real thing that's happening. Unbelievable. Okay. Oh, I Excuse love this guy. Me. Yes, Are you let's Mr. Donald? do it. Yes. A whole bunch of really esteemed actors, a husband and wife team. One of them is in a wheelchair. What he said, yeah. That was that was terrible. I was just too excited about our heavy hitting marriage. I, spoiler alert: they're married. This is Bea Richards, who is an Oscar nominee for Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. She was also on ER. She was in the movie Beloved, Family Matters, Beauty and the Beast TV show, Roots, The Next Generation, In the Heat of the Night. Fascinating career. This is her final performance. And her husband is played by Bill Cobbs, who I love. I've seen him in everything. He has two Emmy nominations. For a show called Go On, he was in the movie Oz, The Great and Powerful. He's in The Muppets. He's on The Drew Carey Show, The Michael Richards Show, The Others, The Gregory Hines Show. But I know him from a short-lived show called I'll Fly Away, which was about the civil rights movement, and it starred uh, Sam Waterston. And uh, it was really, really good. It, It only lasted for one season, and they did a movie, and PBS picked it up for a bit. Whatever. My parents let me watch it, and I really, really enjoyed it. So... Hooray, I'm excited about both of these people. Let's do this. My name is Arthur Turner, and this is my wife, Gertrude. Hello. I'm afraid we're in a bit of trouble. What kind of trouble? It's my daughter. We were recently married, and my stepdaughter's trying to get the marriage annulled. There's a hearing scheduled for today. Mr. Turner, this is Lindsay Dole. She heads up our domestic relations department. Lindsay, this is Arthur Turner, his wife, Gertrude. Hello. Bobby, on that Lujak matter. I'll handle the Lujak deposition. Help the Turners. Whoa. If they're able That's to get this annulled, right which they are trying to do. Rebecca, actually, sir, we have an annulment specialist. Could you help the Turners? Are they going to Lujak them? That's a double Lujak. I have a Lujak conflict. I'm actually helping Bobby on the Lujak matter. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for a out-of-practice podcast drinking game! <laughs> Every time the word Lujak is said within the first five minutes of this episode, take a shot. Washington will help you. This Lujak sounds like a really big client. You just nailed a B-flat. Well done. Okay. Possibly thank it's you. Like enough Philadelphia for coming. skyline. Come on, I'll Circa show you the room. We long time before the nineties. <laughs> We're back visiting Carolyn Kava as the mother of our accused. Some relatively graphic crime scene photos on display. And Lucy is there. Oh my god. Oh sorry. I don't even notice those anymore. After twelve years. I have a meeting with the informant at one. Eugene's gonna see the eyewitness. Good luck trying to get the time of day with him. What about the father? Are you Jimmy is gonna try. So she has crime scene photos basically all over her uh, her work area, which is actually triggering me to remember once again that uh, docu series "I'll Be Gone in the Dark" on HBO Max. Uh, it's very similar. Right. Ex- yeah, except she's she's working to exonerate her son, not a stranger. But yeah, she's got a serious setup there. 
which I imagine I any mother would in this situation. We can't get her hopes up, Mary. I keep trying to tell you this. Let's just get to work. An annulment is kind of a drastic measure. I, I just thought... Where's my mother now? She's with her husband. Her husband? He's nothing but Claire. a... Claire. No, I'll say my say. You're no better than he is. Lady, you said what she says. Lady, you said that thing that Keith said she said. Yeah. All right. This is the daughter of the woman who just got married, who is trying to annul her mother's marriage, played by Juanita Jennings from What Women Want, Basic Instinct, Runaway Jury, David Makes Man, star Meet the Browns. And she will be back as another character. I'm not taking advantage of anyone, ma'am. And I will thank you not to draw conclusions about who and what I am. You're a lawyer. That's all I need to know. Claire, that's Damn, enough. Snap. According to Mr. Turner, he loves your mother very much. Oh, right. She lacked the capacity to enter into a contract. Marital well, how do you or... figure? Duress? What are the grounds? She has Alzheimer's, Miss Washington. Oh. You didn't know this? Your client married a woman with Alzheimer's. So? Yikes, that's interesting. It's illegal for somebody with Alzheimer's to get married? Well, it does raise some capacity issues. <sighs> so what's going to happen? Well, there's going to be a hearing. Mr. Turner, All right, so that's as stand. far as I read I think on the IMDb, plan on just that the client had Alzheimer's. I didn't know that. It's grounds for annulling a marriage, which is actually a really interesting question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the the capacity issue. Hmm. Very interesting. Especially yeah. if you're sort of going in and out of those dementia states, you know, like Raymond Oz. He was with it sure. sometimes. Right, you, right. Yeah, and yeah, you it's complicated. Doctor, and then Mrs. Turner, you'll have but to test. But if you get married, then don't you then, assuming that she signs it over, she might give power attorney to this new guy, which is might upset the daughter. I guess I could also watch the episode. No, I won't let her you be could, put yes. through that. She has to demonstrate to the court that she was competent to get married. If Claire were concerned about her mother's welfare, she wouldn't have stuck her in that nursing home. Now, she's not going to be put through testimony. I'm afraid that she ah, has I said no. Mr. Turner, you hired me to help you. If you plan to keep this marriage from being annulled, your wife will have to testify. I can do it, sweetheart. All I have to do is show them that I'm continent. It's competent. Yes. I wonder, we though, and I don't know enough about Alzheimer's, but, as, you know, as I understand it, it's a disease about memory. I don't like are wrong words used as part of that or just not remembering what the word is. Yeah, better podcast, but I was I was going to make a similar comment and say that that felt like a little bit of sloppy writing. You know, I understand the 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 point they're trying to push right there is that just like they did with Raymond Oz, right? Is they they have a scene where he sort of loses his faculties to make us question Right, the, the grand picture that we're looking at, but that one seemed a little lazy and, and 
Quite well, and also, was, like, was it supposed to be funny? Was that supposed to be, like, a laugh line? Let's not I, even revisit the laugh. Should it have been a laugh? Should it not have been a laugh? I.e. Henry Winkler's rape <laughs> attack. I mean, I, my wife even was mad at me for that. So <laughs> I tried even to save that. you. I tried to save you. I still stand by it, but this, <laughs> I'm not even touching this one with a, a 10-foot pole. Let's just say this. It depends. Oh, no! Comedian? Mr. Bruce. Wow, that was good. Well done. I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, um, like I said, I only got a couple of minutes. We're visiting an auto body shop. This guy Steve is Michael Harris, Waltman. I guess is Your back in the cast. Your house is right across from the current. Was. I uh, got divorced and moved about six years ago. Well, in, in any case, um, going to that night. You can be sure it was Stuart Donovan you saw going to that house. Positive. Can you tell me how you happened to see him? I was watching Johnny Carson when I uh, see his Johnny Carson. That's the Easter egg. Big tires and mag wheels. It's always making a lot of noise day and it's night. Like we're doing Pee-wee's so playhouse. So you actually saw Stuart get out of the car? Yes. Well, he said he left around nine o'clock. That's who that Impossible. guy is. It was between eleven thirty and twelve. I told you I was watching Carson. Well, Maybe did you no, hear no, no, any no. screams come from the house? No. I was saying our finding the, the button you know he's going to be executed word. in two weeks. Gotcha. Yes. Mecca like a high, mecca high, hell. It's been on the news. Well, given that, is there any chance it wasn't Stuart Donovan you saw that night? Mr. Young, I met the kid a few times back then. He seemed like a real nice boy. I'm not saying he did what they said he did. But he did go in there that night. There's no question about that. Mr. Turner, how long have you known your wife? Over 35 years. I knew her late husband. They both knew my first wife. Oh, interesting. I guess the question that people are asking, she has Alzheimer's. I fell in love with her long before she was stricken with that. Certainly doesn't make me stop loving her. Okay, but yeah. it might stop you from being able to care for her. If that day comes, I might have to consider putting her in a home. But that day is not now, Claire. I'll tell you that. You don't know what you're talking about, Arthur. Miss I would never sit. Richard McGonagall back Mr. as Turner, the judge. Please do not address her. She's upset because I took her out the home. Yes, she is. She thinks you married her to gain guardianship so you could remove her from the home. I married her because I love her. And as a person who loves her, I wanted her out of that place. Damn right. You snuck a minister into the nursing home where he performed the wedding service? Yes, I did. And you have control of your wife's estate now, don't you, Mr. Turner? If Claire wanted her mother to be happy, she would want her to be with me. She wants her mother properly cared for. And I'm doing that. She has Alzheimer's. You're a 76-year-old man with no training. I can do better than they can. That isn't true. You're ill-equipped to provide care. I can take care of her. You! Stop it! Uh-oh. Mrs. Turner, who is he? What's his name? Raymond Osbeat. Uh, where's your objection, Rebecca? 
She is not a witness here. No, she isn't, but the court certainly the would like to know if she yep. can answer the question. Mrs. Turner, who is this man? Do you know him? Of course I do. Who is he? His name is Arthur Turner. He is my lawfully wedded husband. And I would appreciate it if all of you would leave the two of us alone. Great performance from Bea Richards. Amazing. But, Rebecca, don't think you're off the hook. We will be revisiting that in the oopsies. Believe me that. Yes, indeed. But meanwhile, while we're stopped... I know that lawyer from somewhere! The lawyer that we are... that is trying to annul the marriage is played by Don Sparks from Mr. Robot, Law and & Order, LA Law, and Quantum Leap. And he was a Broadway performer who I saw in the original cast of Take Me Out and I did not see in the original cast of Escape to Margaritaville. <sighs> Just Did thinking you that, that was impressive to even think about that. What music. sort of dreams? <laughs> I'm asleep and I can't wait. John Hawks is back talking I to Cameron. I'm thinking they've already done it. I'm dead and this is what it feels like. Yeah. That's heavy. I have a meeting with the informant in 45 minutes. I don't really expect him to help me unless he figures there's something we can give him. Okay. I'd like the establishing shot. The yeah, it's cool. I'm sorry? This priest keeps coming to see me. He says it's important that I confess to God before I go. I'll deal with that. He says it's my only chance for absolution. I will take care of the priest. Stuart, don't talk to anybody. No. Now, Keith, is there a world in which David E. Kelly's obsession with clergymen being murderers, where the priest that's been coming to see him is actually the murderer who is trying to make his guilty guilty conscience feel better by having him, uh, something like that. I believe that is technically called Conspiracy Theory. Yeah, interesting. For, for, forgive me, Father, for I have conspired to frame this man for murder. Not even clergy. No. Most of the time she's lucid. But she does suffer bouts of both confusion and delusion. David Allen And doctor, Blackburn. does her condition stand to improve? No. It's a progressive disease. Her cognitive abilities will eventually erode. Probably completely. What about care? I think she's already at a point where she needs full-time supervision by a professional staff. To entrust her to the care of a 76-year-old man with no training? That's a threat to her safety. Does she seem to have deteriorated since she left the home? It's only been a month. I'll ask the question again. Does she seem to have deteriorated since she left the home? No. When you talk about the welfare or well-being of a patient, whether or not she's happy or depressed, is that a factor? Of course. And if Mrs. Turner were happier living with Mr. Turner, that is something to consider medically as well, isn't it? It's not the only thing to consider, and given her age My and question is, isn't it possible she would be better off living with him, especially when he loves her? 
the likelihood of him being able to take care of her is so remote. But if you were satisfied that he could take care of her, she's better off living with him than in a nursing home, isn't she? It's a very big if. But probably so that's yes. A really good, that's a really Thank good you, point Dad. that Rebecca just made there. But I have a question about this whole thing. Because a lot of this debate that we've been seeing thus far in this trial has been about whether or not them being together was in her best interest, right? You know, because of her illness, like, can he take care of her, blah, 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 blah. But I'm not sure if that matters in terms of whether or not to annul the marriage, because if you're going to annul the marriage, I believe the only grounds you could do it would be competency. And that has nothing to do with whether or not it's a good idea for them to be married or not. I don't know the legality of it, but I had a very very similar point I was just about to make. We are, Our brains are firing in the same cylinder today. Look. <laughs> One sad cylinder. In, in the, yeah, right. <laughs> it reminds me, remember that time your car, just like the battery was just dead and you called me up and like I was trying to help you get the battery jumped and it was like your poor car and, and the, the alarm was, was like so just, sad. it was like the alarm oh. didn't even have energy. Every time we opened the hood, it was like, for hours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so here's the thing. She's a grown woman. So what we don't know is before this, they got married, was her daughter power of attorney, right? I or believe was, so. Yes. Okay. So that, that is interesting. So if, if someone, if you've given someone else power of attorney and it's been enacted, can you, even get married? Like, don't, don't you have to show that you're of, of sound mind to get married? Uh, I believe you have to stipulate to it, but I, d I don't think that even if, because give I can give my lawyer power of attorney right now, I still get to make my own decisions. It just means that I've, if I'm incapacitated, they can make decisions for me. Right, but, but, I, but not retroactively, right? So if, you know, if down the line, you, you give your attorney power of attorney or whatever, Let's say right. you go go missing or what. I, I can't come up with a good analogy, but it's not until then that you the power. I just don't know. It seems weird to me that he the daughter would be able to. Well, I, I don't think she's basing the trying to get it annulled based on her having power of attorney. I think she's just saying that she's not competent to make this decision due to the Alzheimer's. Well, I mean, couldn't you make the same argument? Let's say you're fresh freshly 18 daughter marries some 65 year old investment banker and you'd be like, well, she's 18. Of course she's not of sound mind. She's, she's an idiot. Like she can't make, well, I, want, I don't want that annulled. Well, this is why the law, this, this is why the laws are the laws. Why it is very specific that the type of incompetence, see like if she's 17 in most States, she, she's not considered competent, but when she's 18, it does. That's sort of like the legal red line. I think in terms of uh, impairment, then it gets a little murkier. It gets a little bit more of a uh, a judgment call on the judge's part. So I guess the question then becomes down legally is, is, is having a deteriorating condition, though not in the deteriorated state currently, still preclude you from making decisions for yourself? I don't think it does. I, I think it, it is at the moment of decision, are you competent? Not, will you be competent in two years? All right. So then at 13 minutes and 30 seconds, Keith and Mike are saying sh the marriage should be allowed. Yes. If, if they can prove that she was competent at the time she made the decision. 
All right, Jimmy is going up to a house. He's going to talk to the victim's father. It's a different house he went Mr. to, Curtis. which is new for us here at the Yes. My name is James Berludi, sir. As I'm sure you know, Stuart Donovan is soon to be executed for the murder of your wife and daughter. And? At the risk of you slamming the door in my face, I've been hired by Stuart's mother. If I could, and I know how offensive this must seem, I'd like to ask you just a couple of questions. Not before we introduce him. Really pissed off and looking guy whose daughter got killed. Father of the daughter who got killed, but the perfect person for Jimmy to question because Jimmy's usually on the more conservative side of things. So I really like that they chose Jimmy to go and interview him. Yes. This also, if you are watching this, this face is familiar because he is a very hardworking character actor by the name of Leon Russom from True Grit, The Big Lebowski. He was an Emmy nominee for The Long Road Home. He was in The Quiet Place and a great cameo. And, uh, oh God, I lost it. I lost it. Prison Break and Star Trek VI. He was on Star Trek VI. Unnecessary Star Trek reference. I was working the graveyard shift, but I remember before I left, my wife trying to calm Elisa down. Do you know why? Elisa had broken up with Stuart a few days before. And he was calling and harassing her. She's pretty upset. I didn't take it seriously enough. And when I came home, I saw what he had done to her. This may be the part that sounds offensive, but can you think of anybody else who may have wanted to harm your daughter or He's your doing wife? a really good job here. Mr. Baluti. I think it's because he believes I it. I understand. As a parent, Mary Donovan will do anything to prevent her son's execution. But you tell her from me, and as a parent, she should understand that I won't feel any peace until the person who raped and murdered my daughter is put to death. And you can tell her I'll see her soon because I plan to be there. I plan to be there for his final breath, just like he was for my wife and daughters. I understand you want closure, sir. But if he didn't do it, when they execute him, that's it. They got the real killer, Mr. Baluti. I need to point this out again. We've talked about it before, so I'm I'm kind of going around the track again, but you know, I'm sure even non-actors who listen, you can think about, you know, what if I thought about my god forbid, my mom or my sister or my wife or my girlfriend or somebody being being viciously attacked or god forbid murdered like that. I could I could get myself to be upset and and maybe put myself in a similar mind frame to, to perform like that. But it's difficult to do. And not only is it difficult to do, on a film set, on a television set, yeah. you have 45 people around. You're probably doing 13 takes while some guys are eating lunch in the background and this guy's fiddling with the light and that guy's fiddling with the light. And it's not just Jimmy or Michael Badalucco you're looking at. You got four cameras in your face. You got a director going through notes. It is. And everybody else is used to being there and knows what's going on. 
And yeah. you're, it's for you, you got there 10 minutes ago. So even under the best circumstances, when you can bring yourself to that place, you're not often given, it's not like you can just hang out in your trailer until it's time to shoot. You gotta be there for setup. You gotta be there for focus, all that kind of stuff. Especially if you're a guest star, you know, you don't have a stand-in for yourself. It's an impossible task to ask a lot of times. It's why, you know, these guys get paid for these these guest shots where maybe they're only in a scene or two. It, it is a challenge. It is an acting challenge. And and so whereas often they don't these the parents don't often win our oopsies because it's such a short appearance, it's never to take away from the incredible work that they do. Yeah. Yeah. Leon Russell just did such a great job of that. I'll, I'll say one more thing on it. I don't want to. Yeah. From the standpoint of the writing, which I really like here, because the aggrieved father who is not going to be helpful is usually written as somebody completely unreasonable. And that his his anger makes them unreasonable. They're not, you know, but what happened here is that the father was a perfectly reasonable guy. He was willing Mm -hmm. to talk to to Jimmy. He, He was able to see the point of view of of the mother and 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 sort of like give weight to all of those things and yet still hold his emotionally connected implacable position and i i just thought it was a really good extra complex color that these are two reasonable people saying reasonable things that are diametrically opposed to each other and i yeah, thought it was good writing adding that third dimension is sometimes as subtle as just giving that father the empathy for the victim's parent right? right he wasn't showing empathy for the son there he's showing empathy for what that mother must be going for and i think that right, right. is that third dimension parent, yeah. that, that really brings it home her testifying yeah. mr turner Good work, it's not hard to get her confused rebecca you're just going to the judge has made it clear he needs to hear from her i'll try my best to protect her but she has to testify why don't you do stop your fussing he's not gonna hurt me with everybody watching Frank's just a big coward when you come right down to it. (laughs) Who's Frank? Her first husband. Frank's not going to be there, Gertie. Well, then why are we all so worried? Claire's going to be in there with her lawyer saying that you and I shouldn't be married. Married? Well, I suspect Frank will have something to say about that. Frank's dead. You remember that. Oh. Oh. Yes. Yes, as well. What an impossibly difficult take as an actor to be told, remember that your husband is dead. And spontaneously remember that. In the meantime, we also learned some important information that her husband Who are you? was dangerous or hurt Donovan, her at some point. The man who's about to be executed on your testimony. Don't be laying that on me. Other folks testified. But your testimony was especially powerful. You said that he confessed to you. He did. Really? Why would he do that? Had an attack of conscience, I guess. Seems to happen a lot around you, doesn't it? Back in 1988, you were arrested for robbing a liquor store, and then you testified that Stuart Donovan confessed, and you got a reduced sentence. Then arrested again in 91 and 93 on other charges. Both times you became a snitch on jailhouse confessions, and both times 
you got a reduced sentence. People open Think up to me. It's time to ask the eternal question. Stuart Donovan is a. Repeat, stitch, switch, stitch, snitch. A serial snitcher is played by Leon, uh, no, by Brett Rickaby. Brett Rickaby from Castle Rock, The Orville, A Million Ways to Die in the West, Fear of the Walking Dead, True Blood, and Star Trek Enterprise, in which he played Yedrin Koss in the episode Twilight. As a Stephen King guy, have you watched any Castle Rock? I've heard it's excellent. I watched the first episode and it was good. I I I think I was I think I was uh dealing with COVID at that point, so I don't remember a great deal of it, but I did watch the first episode. I remember it was good. Uh dealing with COVID uh mentally. Uh no, I think I actually had it at that point. Oh, I don't mean to chuckle. <laughs> Obviously not funny, but <clears throat> I didn't want to garner you empathy you didn't deserve or sympathy you didn't deserve, <laughs> but but it sounds that it is well earned. Well, I don't know for absolute certain because we never got tested, but we uh, both Jills and I, we got sick uh, roughly two weeks after she was on stage in cabaret kissing like three different people who subsequently tested positive. My wife's been tested about four times now and we don't trust any of the tests. So it's almost a fool's errand to be tests. It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I think just sheer logic uh, lends us to believe that. But yeah, we have not been tested. Anyway, let's see if this jailhouse anyway. snitch passes the test. About to be executed. Do you really want that what on your conscience? What we call segue, Keith? Really you are a burglar oh, and an armed robber, but you have never killed anyone. Don't start with Stuart Donovan. The what do you want from said me? To me? A statement no. saying that you lied, that he never confessed. I don't know, you didn't the kill that guy of limitations the river, but... has run on perjury. You won't have to worry about that. The cops didn't either, interestingly. <laughs> well, it's Philly. What'd you say about my eagles? I'll do it. <laughs> if you get me a bring down a county. Karen from whole facility. I don't know how I can do that. That's some hypocritical bullshit right there. You've been snitching to get people to get a reduced sentence, but now you'll unsnitch if I can get you a reduced sentence. That's some bullshit. I don't think it's hypocritical at all. It's entirely consistent with his behavior. Don't we'll we got say anything to, talk about. to get Girl, a, a man Fair. is about to die. No bring down. It's shitty. No statement. Semantics, you're arguing, Keith. I'm just calling him that's, an asshole. That's, that's all I do. Actually, I'm calling Eleanor. Semantics. I'm calling Eleanor sort of an asshole. Well, she's doing what she has to get her claim. There's William Penn. Nice the question we have, skyline. Mrs. Turner, is Independence whether Hall. you fully appreciated what you were doing when you took this man for your husband. The question you have is whether I'm nuts. I can fully appreciate that. <laughs> I need some straight answers, ma'am. Why do I owe anybody anything? I didn't see anybody here coming to visit me in that hole. All you people care so much. Where were you? Where were you, Claire? Please don't address your daughter, ma'am. Arthur is the only one who wants to take care of me. He's the only one who loves me. Frank didn't. 
Who is Frank? Your dad, that's who he is. Frank was her first husband. Bang on the head, he's dead. Arthur's idea to say he fell. Oh, shit. Excuse me. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. You wouldn't stop him. <laughs> Man beat on this is the part Mike didn't read on IMDb, and he's fascinated. Me? Gertie. Bang on dead. Oh, my God. Your Honor, could we take a short recess? No, actually. Mrs. Turner. <laughs> Frank, your yeah, right. first husband. How did he die? He fell. He fell? A second ago, you were suggesting that Arthur hit him on the head. That, that, that's what happened. He fell after Arthur hit him on the head. Arthur is the only one who loves me. And he killed your first husband. You can't force me to testify against him. Oh, that's why they got married. He's my husband now. I don't have to say a word. Right, honey? <laughs> oh, shit. Well, that didn't turn out the way you had planned it. We're going now, kids! An amazing performance again from uh, from uh, Bea Richards. Uh, I, well, you can discuss this as a writer later, but like, I feel like maybe we edited out a scene where he should have some objection to her testifying on behalf of herself. He, no, uh... He, uh, that scene was there, but Mike wasn't paying attention. Clearly. He definitely objected to her testifying. Well, I hope you're happy. What? That double loojack, that annulment thing? Turns out sweet Arthur's a murderer. Excuse me? Well, it seems Arthur whacked her first husband with a two-by-four and married her, maybe, so she could avail herself of spousal privilege and wouldn't have to testify. What? It doesn't all make sense. The guy was killed 15 years ago. Why get married now? Anyway, the judge annulled the marriage and referred the matter to Helen Gamble. You're helping me on this, Bobby. You loojacked me into a murder. I loojacked to Lindsay. Fine, then you can both help me. Yeah, seriously. It was a terrible thing. Did you see Stuart Donovan that night? No. I was in Florida visiting my folks that month. A month? You were away a whole month. Mr. Young, my husband was a drunk back then. There's no mystery here. The reason we got divorced is because I got tired of seeing him passed out every night at 9 o'clock. He slept in that chair there for six straight years. 9 o'clock? He said he saw Stuart between 11.30 and 12. Yeah, well... Well, what? I wasn't here, Mr. Young. I was in Florida. Mrs. Breslau, I'm not going after your ex-husband. I got a guy looking at death in two weeks for a crime he didn't commit. He confessed. No, he didn't. Is it possible your ex-husband was lying about that 11.30 business? I don't think he would lie. But there was a but in your tone. He could have believed it was 11.30 when it may have been 9. By that time, he would have been 12 sheets to the wind. Why didn't you tell this to the police? I did. And there's your unconstitutional Turns out event. Johnny Carson had a... Keith, 
I'm going to put you on the spot here, and if if not, I'm okay. going to ask CEO slash ex intern Jen. Uh, do you yes. know the origins of Twelve Sheets to the Wind? I do not. I was hoping. I you believe did. it's it three sheets to the wind that she was exaggerating. She was specifically saying how drunk he was. I think it's three sheets, but I could right. be wrong. All right. Uh, C- mean, CEO Jen, if you could hire us an intern, let us know what that's what. That, yes. what, what really like to know. Uh, and meanwhile, yes. Go ahead. Uh, me, uh, meanwhile, the, the, the ex-wife was played by Sarah Zinser. Okay. Now, uh, let's go back to, I guess, studying to be more than a receptionist and per- potentially a uh, paralegal, Lucy is helping Jimmy put together a, I guess one could only call it a cork board of possible suspects and uh, timeline information for the current case. It looks like it's just Jimmy and Lucy work at bit burning the midnight oil on this one. Indeed. A prime time special on that night. This guy might have thought it was 11.30 when he saw Johnny Carson on, but it was really only nine. So we got a bogus eyewitness on top of a bogus There it is. Form. Johnny Carson so was on happens? at nine. They have to order a new trial now, don't they? No way. How can they not? Mary. Tonight's show airs at 11.36, I believe, correct? Uh, it does, and unless they have a primetime special. Maybe Jay Leno was ruining America by having a 10 o'clock show. I haven't solved the confession thing yet. He only recants if I get him transferred to county jail, and I haven't a clue as how to pull that off. All we have to do is get him into court. What do you mean? The current Frumhole facility is used as a lockup for the common pleas court. If he could get into court on anything, that's where they'll hold him. It was referred to Helen. And she wants to talk to them. Not a chance. She implied she might file charges if they don't talk. Letter. It was 15 years ago. She's going to make murder on the testimony of a witness with Alzheimer's for a 15-year-old crime? Good luck. Well, even well, so, no, if we can no, spare them from being put through a trial. Mm-hmm. This can't get prosecuted. Don't be so sure. So they didn't... So. It, if the murder happened 15 years ago and they didn't get married till just now, it lends one to believe that perhaps the marriage was less real because they only got married when she started losing capacity and might be more likely to accidentally reveal what happened as opposed Mm -hmm. to they were in love and got married relatively soon after. Now, Keith, in a shocking turn of events, that yes. e- even having watched the episode before, you might not even believe. Oh. The one and only Helen Gamble is actually going to enter into this case as well. What? I know. As if there weren't enough there's only ADAs. One. Yeah. yeah, there's only one There's only one DA in all of Boston. Sure. Wait. Oh, wait, here we go. Oh, oh boy. Okay, I didn't ask for a book, but uh, Keith, I'll let you go ahead and, and, and uh, uh, clarify. Okay, all right. Let me, let me pull it up. Okay, CEO Jen says, this expression is used, this is talking about 12 sheets to the wind or some amount of sheets to the wind. This expression is used to describe someone who was drunk to the point of being unable to stand up straight. The sheets here refer to the sails of a windmill rather than a bed linen. Windmill operators used to add or remove the number of sails according to the strength of the wind. One basic rule that they had to follow was that it they always had to keep an even number of sails, either two or four, opposite each other in order to keep the windmill balanced and steady. If ever they had three sheets, the windmill would become unstable and extremely wobbly, swaying from oh. side to side, very much like someone who has enjoyed a little too much alcohol. Thank you, CEO Jen. And whatever the first webpage you clicked on, once clicking into, once typing out, what does three sheets to the wind mean? <laughs> 
Now, of course, when she said 12 sheets to the wind, that actually would be Breaks a stable windmill. It, mm-hmm. it, would have been, it would have been stable. So maybe he wasn't drunk at all. Mm. Or maybe they didn't have Google when they wrote this episode. Quite possibly. Ellen, thanks for calling first. You're not talking to them. Bobby, we already have her recorded testimony. All right. You'll be sure to get a guilty with that. Evidently, the dead husband used to abuse Still her. some bad blood oh, after, And that means Arthur uh, killed last time. Rebecca, she said after he did. Everything because that's she hits all time. And because years. it's probably true. Let me just talk to them. No way. Then he'll probably get charged. Just wait well, till David we're Spader not joins you the speak cast. To them. David Spader? Yeah, that's a joke. I'm riffing on how I ruined it. The You're first. not talking to them. <laughs> not quite riffing, I would say. Thanks for making the trip, Helen. He's in the conference room. Oh, you she gotta be kidding. If I fish. can't ask her questions here, I will just do it at a PC hearing. Bobby. So she brought no. in cops to arrest him. Okay, let's go. Helen Gamble, don't play. You should What's know. What's going that. on? Don't no. say anything, Arthur. If they're arresting you. We'll take care of it. Arresting me? I'm gonna go to the precinct with you, Lindsay and Bobby. They'll look after Gertrude. Where are they taking him? I'm all right, Gertie. Don't you worry. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you Poor say baby. can and will be used against yeah. you in the court of law. The right it's really tragic. <laughs> Heartbreaking. What do you mean, new lawyer? A private defense attorney. What are you talking about? I'm trying to get you to county, and this is how it works. Your new private attorney will go in asking the state to pay your legal fees. The court's going to want to know what's wrong with your PD. And to get the answer, they're going to need to hear from you. And for that, you've got to be there. You'll be transported to the current Frumhole facility to be available for your evidentiary presentation. And then after the hearing, you'll be brought back here. This only happens if you give me the statement. I will. Well, I need it now. Well, you don't get it now. Not till after I go to Curran. This could take some time. Stuart Donovan. Well, you know what? I suggest you speed it up. She's only getting him to that other facility for like a day and then he's going back here like I don't think that's what he wants and he wants to be transferred there permanently or does he have like a something needs to hand off (laughs) just like I need to be there for like an hour (laughs) statement until after I go to current that's bad the soonest we can get Earl to current is 10 also you make an agreement like that and you don't work out the details until the very minute you need him to make a statement well, everything here is last minute. He's got yeah. 17 days. It's it's grape jailing me, Keith. What, the $500, I thought for sure that it had something to do with something. It was just sort of a throwaway to show that like it was her last ditch effort and they were like a poor family or something. Well, I think it's there to show this team's willingness to go to battle if they think something is wrong and injustice has been done and it's not about money. Okay. It's a redemptive thing for lawyers. We spent the first three seasons shitting on them. This is a good yeah, right. moment for them. Okay. Days. If we wait that long and we strike out, that leaves us with just They've four days. so we can't altruistic risk that? before. Right. I still go in tomorrow. With what? Well, we've got the ex-wife's affidavit on the witnesses drinking. We've got possible prosecutorial misconduct there as well. You can also represent as an officer of the court that Taylor is prepared to recant on the confession. I mean, that's got to be enough to at least get an order for a DNA test. I I would like to go in with more than that. Look, you feel guaranteed you'll get that statement from Taylor? 
Guaranteed? And that guy? Hardly. Then we can't waste ten days banking on him. Let's go in tomorrow with what we've got. I'm Team Eugene here. Time is of the essence. Yeah. Take your shot. That said, okay, you do, do need to win. Because if you go in there and you fail, you're I even don't further know behind about the conviction, ball. But beating probable cause, that's a very low threshold. She just gets confused about things. Well, what was she confused about? She said you hit him on the head. Did they come the out same of holding cell where yes. the last time we were here, they the were handed Bobby fell. and Ella were handed soggy fries. They'll probably call her to the stand. No. This is a criminal proceeding. I don't want to put in the witness chair again. We need to protect her. Mm-hmm. Are you looking to protect her or yourself? You think I'm a murderer now, Miss Washington? I don't really know you, Mr. Turner. You don't strike me as being anything but gentle. But as your lawyer, let me tell you. They already have a recorded testimony from the annulment proceeding. They could probably satisfy probable cause with that. But they couldn't convict on it, right? Mm. If you're to avoid a trial, the best thing is for Gertrude to testify at probable cause and say you didn't do what she said you did, that she was confused. I don't want her testifying. I don't think you have a choice. interesting case yeah for sure Stuart Donovan versus the state Philly? of Pennsylvania we'll hear from the petitioner Nancy this is federal court I believe may it please the court my name is Eleanor Frutt and I am joined by my colleagues Eugene Young and James Berluti we are here representing Stuart Donovan and his petition to get a court-ordered DNA test which test would likely exonerate him of the crime for which he has been convicted, which conviction has him scheduled for death by lethal injection in 14 days. In order for us to prevail, we must show by clear and convincing evidence that it would be unreasonable for a jury to have found my client guilty under the evidence. Before we get to that, you must also show that your client's constitutional rights were violated. I believe we can make that showing, Your Honor. One of the key eyewitnesses in the case suffered from a very serious drinking problem. That's exculpatory evidence the state failed to turn over to the defense. This drinking problem was relevant? We believe it was, Your Honor, since the events he claimed to have witnessed occurred at a time of night when his capacity for observation was routinely undermined by his inebriated... He was drunk on the night in question? According to his ex-wife, whose affidavit is attached to our memorandum as Exhibit D, she said her husband was habitually drunk every night and... Can she verify that he was intoxicated on this night? She wasn't there, but she's basing... Thank this you. You can verify that the prosecution knew of his drinking problem? Yes, Mrs. Bresler told the police that her husband was typically passed out by 9 o'clock every night and that he was quite possibly confused as to the time he said he saw my client's car pull up. This was never brought to the attention of the defense, and accordingly, Mr. Bresler was never cross-examined on it. Wasn't the defense free to discover all this? The fact that the defense was free to discover it does not absolve the state's obligation to turn over all exculpatory evidence. Here, they didn't. All right, counsel. But we also have a confession in this case. That confession that... was tainted, Your Honor. 
I spoke to Earl Taylor, the jailhouse informant who secured that confession, and he indicated to me that that statement was false. He also conveyed his willingness to recant it, as you can see from my affidavit, Exhibit F. That means we have a false confession backed up by very questionable eyewitness testimony, and these two pieces of evidence represent the prosecution's case in its entirety. A lie from a jailhouse snitch and the observations of an intoxicated alcoholic. That's it. Plus a blood match. Well, do we? That's why we're here, to seek confirmation of the blood match. There was no DNA technology 12 years ago, but we now have the ability to run a dispositive test, and that's huh. what we're asking for. See, Stuart I find Donovan this super fascinating. is scheduled for death. The, we're the asking for a test that would take only hours to see if we are about to execute the right man. In when When speaking directly to a judge and what they're focused on and how they communicate versus how they're doing it in front of a jury Absolutely. you know in terms of in, in in terms of lay people and these judges are sort of like really cutting to the core of the legal stuff and not getting wrapped up in all of the drama which is normally what they're trying to do manufacturing that in front of a jury i i, I love how the the sort of like different language of it even i agree keith we are not petitioning that you set him free we are not asking for a new trial. Just one little test. So this is exactly the case, the exact same thing she had the last hearing. The difference here, the only difference here is the habeas corpus ruling, right? Was his, were his rights infringed upon in the first trial? Yes. Uh, well, they're, they're saying that they must, uh, must reach that threshold before they'll even entertain anything else. Right. You said yesterday that Arthur had hit your late husband over the head. At least you implied that. Is that what happened? I take the fifth commandment. You can't take a commandment in here, ma'am. My client has asserted her Fifth Amendment rights. She's not being charged with anything. Doesn't matter. She's Same allowed to assert before. Fifth Amendment rights when there's the mm -hmm. prospect of criminal charges. The Commonwealth has no intention she of... She was there at the time of the accident, possible accessory charges. Your Honor, I'd ask the court to grant the witness immunity. She doesn't want immunity. Your Honor, this is hard enough. I agree. Counsels, take your seats. Herb Mitchell, back as the Mrs. judge. Mrs. Turner, I'm granting you full immunity against prosecution which means you won't be arrested for anything you say here. I want you to answer Miss Gamble's questions. Don't do it, Gertie. Mr. Turner? He's my husband. I don't have to testify. No, your marriage was annulled. All right. Counsel and the witness in chambers, please. Mrs. Stevens, you too. Whether or not a witness had a drinking problem is a collateral issue, certainly not one which would... Why didn't you tell the defense about it? I'm not sure we didn't, but assuming we didn't, that goes to impeachment only. It wasn't evidence. Moreover, knowing of Mr. Bressler's problem, a reasonable jury still could have chosen to believe him. What about the confession? The state stands by the confession. 
defense is now trying to bribe the informant into recanting the statement he gave I us. object to that. May it please the court. Mr. Taylor contacted our office and informed us of Ms. Frutt's attempts. We outfitted him with a wire. Oh, fuck. She promised to God try to get him transferred to a county facility in exchange for him recanting the statement concerning Mr. Donovan's confession. If you please. And this is how it works. Your new private attorney will go in asking the state to pay your legal fees. The court's going to want to know what's wrong with your PD. And to get the answer, they're going to need to hear from you. And for that, you've got to be there. You'll be transported to the current Brumhole facility to be available for your evidentiary presentation. And then after the hearing, you'll be brought back here. May I respond to that, Your Honor? I would hope you would. Come on, Eleanor. This is everything right here. Yes. I offered to help the informant in exchange for him telling the truth. Just as the prosecution was free to play ball with him, offering him a reduced prison term in exchange for his testimony, so too am I free to make a deal. I was not suborning perjury. Are you suggesting I was? All I am suggesting is that Mr. Taylor is a liar. And better that he lie for you? This informant is a professional witness. He has gotten three of his own sentences cut down by getting three different confessions. Who's kidding who here? All right. I would remind the court, we are not asking you to stay in execution. We are not asking for a mistrial or a new trial. We are not begging you to commute a sentence or to show leniency. Just a test, one that will tell us the truth. And given the incredibly sketchy evidence that's the basis of his conviction, how can any system that purports to offer even an appearance of being about the truth not say yes? The state lost the rape kit. They lost it. They didn't even bother to look for it. We hunted for it. We dug it out. We found it. And now all we're asking is that you test it. That isn't much. It's certainly a lot less work than executing a man. Yeah, Eleanor. I think that was an excellent point. I think it's such a big picture, understated or underlined, bold-faced thesis, what she said there. Shouldn't, shouldn't a system that's supposed to be about finding the truth, there's all this smoke and mirrors. And what I think is really fascinating to me is that over the past three, four weeks, if not more, like I had mentioned in one of my oopsie closings that, you know, David E. Kelly's gotten away from the trope of just, we win all the cases. Right. We've been losing and in different fashions. And so for me, at least the stakes are so much higher than they've been in this. I'm really invested. I really, we don't even know for sure what the rape kit's going to show. Right. Right. We're two episodes right. in, we still don't even know. And that's all she's saying. We just test it. So I'm, uh, I'm hook, line and sinker here. I got to say. No, no, for sure. And I, I, I think, that shows like this are really at their strongest when highlighting injustices that happen in the real world. And the the bar being set so high for investigating exculpatory evidence, I think, is an injustice. And, you know, what's interesting we talk about sometimes is that we're looking through the lens of watching an entire series from the future. So... Right. I'm now looking at the timestamp and I'm seeing that there's only eight minutes left and I'm thinking to myself, okay, if they agree, if they say yes to the test, is there enough time in eight minutes to do justice to the story by, let's say, 
it being exculpatory and having him set free, or would they spend the time on a part three? So I'm weighing all of those factors as well in my sort of viewing of it. Well, let's find out. Justice, we got it. That's a cool transition. I know you love Arthur. But ma'am, I'm sure you loved your late husband, Frank, too, didn't you? Oh, God, no. He hit me, Frank did. Oh, shit. Glad he died, truth be told. Okay. Did Arthur kill him? Can you take us back to that day? I don't want to go back to that day. We need you to. What, was he beating her up and Arthur saved her? Frank was at me. Like every day. Yelling this and that. I told him before. You take your hand to me again. And he did. Right across my face. Like so many times before. And I... saw it there. You saw what? The board. Laying on the counter. They love to beat somebody with a board in the show. I just... Picked it up. You picked it up? Yes, I did. Well, they gave her immunity. I told him. You take your hand to me. I didn't mean to kill him. Just swat him down. You hit your husband. You're goddamn right she did. Arthur came in and said... We should say he fell. Mom. Oh. I'm sorry. Claire. I almost cried. I almost cried. I killed your daddy. Oh. What? Why did you say Arthur did it? Sometimes... I think he did. I, I get confused. Oh, God. I think. How could I have. Across the board. She's making everybody in the room better actors. She's not only killing it herself, she's elevating everyone else in the room. I gotta imagine that was a one take. They were like, uh, and we got it. No, for sure. She says she killed him. Did she? He's nodding. 
I don't understand. Better. She started talking about it. I had to get her out of that home before she got herself into trouble. So that's why you married her, to get her out before she said too much? No. Loved her. That and I love her. What are they going to do to her? Nothing. She's got immunity, remember? So what happens? You're free to go. You can take her home if you want. What a neat Where beat of having them grant her immunity in the heat of trying to get her to give the truth. That was cool. Ready? We've only got three minutes. What's going to happen with me. Eleanor's case? That's okay, sweetheart. But you didn't want me to tell. It's okay. I'm going to take you home, sweetheart. You're not mad at me? Hey, I love you. And it's a beautiful love story. It sure is. I mean, they are fantastic. <laughs> I think this is one of my favorite cases. Smart. Yeah, it's beautiful in a lot of ways. Well written. Be seated. The exception of the incontinence line and the other one. It is the opinion of this court that Stuart Donovan's constitutional rights were violated by the district attorney's failure to provide defense counsel with the information concerning Mr. Bressler's drinking problems. Certainly, armed with this information, a jury might have been more inclined to disbelieve this material witness. As for the informant's statement concerning Mr. Donovan's confession, that too is certainly in doubt. The standard for this court, however, is whether a reasonable jury could have found the defendant guilty. While we Shit. feel the jury in this case, given all this new information, quite likely would have returned with a verdict of not guilty, we are not persuaded that they could not uh. have reasonably returned with a guilty just the same. The petitioner's request for a DNA test is therefore denied. We are adjourned. David E. Kelly giveth Keith, and he take it, take it away. Taketh away. So we're never going to get the results of that test, are we? Probably not this episode. She's excellent, too. Yeah. So's Cameron. (laughs) What a great episode. What just... Yes. To be continued. Did it say to be continued? It said to be continued. Oh, thank goodness. I gotta know. We're gonna get a part three, (laughs) baby. Part three. Well, all right, everybody. If you are listening along on your favorite podcast listener of choice, 
Go back to your YouTube by clicking the if link. If you care, if you care to, I'm not sure wanting to see us, our faces, is necessarily uh, to be taken for granted. Okay, well, we have something very important. This is going to be the longest episode of all time because we uh, have something very important to adjudicate because uh, we have gotten an objection from our CEO, Jen. Yes, I have to correct myself. Um, I, I chose um, the first site <laughs> that I clicked on, as Mike did say, and uh, as I did a little more research, uh, I realized that uh, the windmill theory was a lesser known theory. The main one that I read about was um, a more nautical theme. Um, this is on Grammarist.com. Three sheets to the wind is a phrase that means extremely inebriated, very drunk. We know this. Three sheets to the wind is a nautical term. Interestingly, in sailing parlance sheet is a rope, line, or sometimes a chain that attaches to the corner of a sail, not the sail itself. If a sailor does not keep the sheet tight, then the sails flap and wobble, allowing the ship to stagger off course like a drunk. Sailors devise a scale of drunkenness. One sheet to the wind described a slightly tipsy sailor. Four sheets to the wind referred to a sailor who had passed out from drinking alcohol. So three sheets to the wind first seen in print as three sheets in the wind in the early 19th century. So it was assumed that the sailor scale of drunkenness existed long before then. That was very long. Thank you to Grammarist.com. Um, that was one of the better better examples all right well wave and say thank you wow thanks jen that was that was fascinating and uh yeah three i i could definitely see that i you know being a uh, a new england sort of a wasp person i i have sailed and uh if you do if you do not attach the bottom line it will flop around like crazy so <laughs> what is that i'm petting you, johnny are you, are you petting johnny carson yeah. Okay. All right. Well, fascinating. Thank you very much. I, I, you know, frankly, I think they're both interesting. So they both had value. One was more known, one was lesser known, but I'm on board. Now, it is time for the greatest moment in the show every week entitled. Entitled. Mike has 30 seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Eleanor continues her pursuit to get her guy retested for DNA to get him out of prison, but is denied in an awesome case. On the other end, uh, a married couple has their marriage questioned uh, because of the one lady has Alzheimer's. And it turns out that uh, they, they did love each other, but her husband got killed and she got immunity and it was awesome. We all cried. It was real good. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That was clear. Yeah, yeah, oh. clear, concise. I really thought that I, I really nailed it. Really, really nailed it. All right, well, it is now time to nail everyone's favorite award show. Ladies and gentlemen, the oh, Out of oh. Practice podcast <laughs> in unofficial, unsolicited, <laughs> unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions proudly present. Uh, it's going Oopsie great, great. The Oopsie! Celebrating excellence in acting good. 
lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom oh, Brady. There you go. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now, here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, the well, oopsies are a are fake a award fake show that we do at the end of every episode. There we are. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. No, I don't think we can. All right. It is what it is. Far for the course. All right. Well, it is, we are going to hand out the awards, whether or not we are worthy of awards ourselves, beginning with... Most Well, who you got, well, sir? Well, we didn't really, nobody really won this case. I mean, who's the, who's the most valuable lawyer? Well, are we going to go based now? Are we going to go based on results or work? So are we going to give it to the person who did the best work? Like Phoenix told us to do before. Or the person who won, like Phoenix told us to today. Well, I think, you know, Eugene and Jimmy were out there doing the grunt work and, you know, talking to the, talking, revisiting suspects who were probably, I mean, talking to the victim's father is a tough haul. And Jimmy did that. We just, we, we talked about it on air. Jimmy did that with such a nice subtlety. And even Lucy in there helping organize all of the admin and clerical duties and help Eugene out and Jimmy out. Um, Eleanor is heading the team and trying, but, and she presented an amazing case, but thus far has been denied what yet again. Uh, and you know what? I, I hesitate to give anybody over in the other case, any credit because they were all trying to lujack each other and didn't even want it. So that taints the whole thing. I'm at a loss here, Keith. I'm going to need some, I need a, I need a life preserver. Okay, well, first off, I thought Eleanor did a tremendous job and that the reason for her lack of success was not her lack of persuasiveness, but the un the unjust structure of the appeals court, of the federal appeals court. So I think there's a really good argument that Eleanor should win based on the work that she did, the fact that she got that close, the fact that she was able to get the appeals court to rule that his constitutional rights had been infringed. I think that's a victory moving forward. Uh, additionally, I think Rebecca helped navigate a, a positive, the most positive outcome while uh, having the, the case like fly out in every direction underneath her and was still able to uh, advocate well for her clients even as their uh their needs and case as her, their needs changed and as the case changed around her so i actually think we have two really good uh options for most valuable lawyer as opposed to not having any so that's not a winner though oh well all right i'm going to give it to eleanor i think she she has taken this $500 just, you know, like impossible case and turned it into something real and, and made incredible progress uh, towards 
towards justice, and especially in these capital cases. I mean, ask like Adnan Syed it, or or Brendan Dassey. Like these things, you're you're. It's a journey, a long term journey to get these things overturned eventually. So, uh, yeah, I'm I'm giving it to Eleanor. In the fiction of the show, though, we don't know that it continues, right? It does feel like, well, they did it's say said to, to be, be continued. continued. You're right. We and know they it did, continues. They did harp on the point that he still had 14 days. It wasn't like, and she did say she wasn't asking for a stay. So in that context, we still think that the case continues, in which case I think that, yes. Then in, because of the to be continued, I will say I agree. And Eleanor, I'm good with that oopsie. Okay, congratulations, Eleanor, on your fake award. Coming up next. Already famous because you've been on TV. Getting a paycheck. First entry on your IMDb. Way to go. But you're the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor. You are the best guest actor on the episode. Listen. Everybody, stand up, put your hands over your heart, and swear in my goddess of the episode. You're right. <laughs> You're looking for Bea Richards, the Oscar-nominated Bea Richards. Wow. Regardless, who's the winner, Keith? <laughs> who, who am I trying to talk about and, and loud praise upon? You are B. talking Richards. about Bea. I believe it's, I believe it's Bea. Oh. Could be B. Oh, now, better podcast. A better podcast. That, edit that out. That Bayer Richards. I uh, apologize. That's up to you. I apologize for everything I've done in the past. <laughs> but that in is not to say that I didn't think you absolutely slayed every yeah. second you were on screen this episode. I would give you every that that may be. Now we have seen Larroquette. We have seen Winkler. I would say James that Whitmore. Whitmore. I would say that stands toe to toe with any of the guest spots we've had as best performance in as a guest actor on the practice. Yeah, no question. No question. So all that said, uh Bea B. Richards. Yeah, uh yeah, no, absolutely. And uh just as a I mean, an extraordinary performance, no question. And um what a way, what a final performance. It was the last thing she ever did. And like, my God, what a way to go out. Just extraordinary, extraordinary work. So uh, congratulations, Bea Richards, on your best guest actor. Oopsie. You know, other than the Oscar and all of those other things, you know, clearly your most prestigious award. Now, that said, Juanita Rich uh, Jennings was also very excellent. Oh, yeah. No, she not, was. Not taking and, anything away. I just, and I'm sorry to have mixed your headshots up. Uh, mind you, they're very so, small. They're very they're very small. And and I think I thought Leon Rossum was amazing as well. Mm -hmm. Like, just great performances Oh, and, and the around. scene with the father, what was his name? I, I, I've quit trying to... That was Leon Rossum. Okay, great. So, <laughs> let, <laughs> let's just move over. I think we should just move forward. <laughs> Did you eat any broccoli this morning? Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Next up. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case But you let a single tear run down your face You're the best actor on the show Michael Botalucco had a great scene this week mm -hmm. 
Steve Harris had a couple great scenes, but I think it once again it's Cameron's episode. Yeah. Those, especially her first kind of unedited one take uh, in front of the uh, federal court in Pennsylvania, I thought was really, really well done. And then when they had questions for her and were questioning her as that trio of judges, I thought she responded and, and her performance is really excellent there. So I'm going to piggyback on last week and give a continuing best actor to Cameron Manham. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I thought she really commanded the stage there. And it is sort of a stage. Um, you know, we and we had a great beat from her at the end. Like I, I thought she just did really, really well. Um, yeah, I, I, I also thought uh, Lisa Gay was great in her Excellent. part and being able to sort of watch her clock what was happening. She just gave great reaction shots. But yes, congratulations to Cameron Manheim for your fake award. Coming up next, everyone's favorite, the eternal, the profoundly important, the what will be here forever and ever and ever. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. <laughs> Thanks for listening, Tom. We do appreciate it. We, we appreciate yeah, no. you for calling in, too. He's very um, excited about his trophy. I wanted to be on the record that I am actually going to ask my friend James if he'll, in a press conference, ask Tom Brady... Uh, if he's ever heard of the Oopsie Awards. I suspect he's going to give me the hardest of no's, but I'm he going to him. ask him. I'm we talked about him. it with him. James is going to be like, what are you even talking about? Not important, James. <laughs> Just ask the question. Just ask the uh, question. James Palmer, NFL.com. Uh, anyway, I think it's pretty obvious here. Uh, jailhouse snitch Tom Brady is going to be mm. this week's winner. I'll put up last week's Tom Brady right here. Jailhouse snitch Tom Brady, you are this week's award winner for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think that sounds that sounds good. I really did like my my creepy mannequin Tom Brady. That was terrifying. Yeah. Uh. So congratulations, Tom. Jailhouse snitch Tom Brady for the Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. Leaves us with only one thing to do. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. I, if you haven't been able to tell by now, really, really, really liked it. Um, you know, it reminded me of, uh, I don't know, uh, listeners might not know, I have a weird obsession with uh, the Golden Girls. That makes I sense. I love the Golden Girls. And one of my favorite Golden Girls episodes is... Episode uh, season three, episode one, I believe it's called Old Friends. And Sophia, the hilarious Estelle Getty, befriends this old man uh, on the beach. They're both kind of retirees, and and they be, they strike up this friendship. And then he ends up having Alzheimer's. In fact, I've got this queued up. Just one moment. Something about Alvin that wasn't right. Ma, he has Alzheimer's disease. You know, Dorothy, people think if you live to be my age, you should be grateful just to be alive. Well, that's not how it works. You need a reason to get up in the morning. And sometimes, even after you find one, life can turn right around and spit in your face. Think he'll remember me? I'll remember him. Mm -hmm. Love that episode. Makes me cry every time. And this one did the same. I am happy to report, sad to report, I don't know, something to report, that I wept like a little baby. 
Uh, well, I almost wept. I, I came very close to weeping. Uh, it was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. I'm really fascinated to see where we go with uh, next week, and and the and the the John Hawks case. The John Hawks case. I really, I feel like we have to get justice there. I feel like we have to. Um, but of course, we both know that that doesn't necessarily mean anything. But nonetheless, anticipation is a great uh, barometer for how much you liked an episode. I thought the writing was so good, with the exception of those two beats we've mentioned, uh, and the acting was so good in the in the Alzheimer's case. One of my favorite, just one of my favorite episodes, and especially sandwiched in the middle of a trilogy, it's hard to be the best. Uh, nonetheless, I'm going to give it a solid 8.75 spare tires. Wow, okay. Yeah, I I I don't disagree at all. Um, I thought it was a really really excellent episode um, with tremendous performances up and down everywhere you go. Um, I thought both the performances and the storyline was really fascinating. Um, with the Alzheimer's case, there was lots of twists and turns that were unexpected um, and yet tracked still. Yeah. For sure. Um, I thought it was just handled really beautifully. You know, I, I I ding it for the sort of like jokes with the malpropisms, but I may be wrong. Like that that may yeah. be part of it. I, I I'm just not I'm I'm not a, I'm not a doctor, so I don't really know. Um, I also really liked the progression of the John Hawks case. I liked having the uh, the victim's father being reasonable and yet still dug in and emotional. I thought the um, the the jailhouse snitch thing is sort of a you know it's been it's been done a lot. I liked the twist of uh, Eleanor being caught and still then defending herself. Well, so there was there was a lot of especially in that case, people making good points on both sides and being dug in. And I really liked the writing of that. I really liked the writing of as I said uh, during the episode about the how the dynamic changes when you're talking just to judges and there's not a jury involved. Um, so all of that, I really liked, I had one question about the, uh, the Alzheimer's case and about going through all of these, these machinations to protect her and get married and this, that, the other thing, the, this whole thing is dependent on the idea that somehow she wouldn't have had a pretty solid self-defense uh, case in this case. If her husband was actively beating her and she killed him defending herself, I'm not sure any of this would have been necessary. I feel like she probably would have been cleared. Now, they don't know that, They're and, and they can't be sure of that, um, but I, I would imagine she'd have a pretty good case there. So that was just one thing that sort of like I thought about I would have liked to have had addressed at some point. I actually, I credit the writing a little bit there because totally agree with your point. However, they did enough at least. Look, there's only so much you can do, right? Limited time frame. But in that scene where she quote unquote confesses, she does make the point to, to point out that she gave him two warnings. She's like, come closer, come closer. So it wasn't right. so much uh, in the heat of defense, she bashed him and killed him. It was, there uh, was some, pre not want to say premeditation, but some... Uh, yes, although she also of, 
did specifically say, I did not intend to kill him. Yeah, I guess my point is that there's enough yeah, of a there's, quote unquote case there that, you know, it, 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 it does stand to reason that her new husband slash that guy right. thought to be a little more, let's just say it was me and, you know, confuse right. her and, into and thinking to be, it was him. But. And to be fair to the show, it only bumped me the second time I saw it. Yeah, right. Um, so all that said, I really, really like this episode. So I'm giving it a full nine spare tires. There you go. Whatever that is. Math. So, so math is the amount of spare tires. Okay. Wow. This was a very long episode. If they wanted to actually see the, the, the actual dividends of all that math, what, where would they go? How would they go about it? Well, I'll tell you. They can go to our blog at outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com and see a whole long list of all of our shows in in order of good to bad. They can reach out and tell us about it at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. Send us job offers. Hey, just reach out, say hi. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram and see all of the photoshopping I'm wasting my time doing at Out of Practice. Tell us how they can give us money. As always, you can donate to the show in one of two ways, a one-time donation or a monthly contribution. You can find the appropriate links to do so in our show notes. We no longer have any sponsorships, so we truly do thank all of our current and future sponsors for helping us keep the show going. And, you know, everyone who engages with us on social media, it actually, like we said, is really important and uh, helpful to us even especially in this time of uncertainty and and stress you can also support the show as keith mentioned by leaving us a review fake it for all we care but also by recommending the show to a friend who might enjoy our nonsense or checking out the practice as a show now keith this week's favor should i ever get to mention our alzheimer's remind me many times that we needed we did this awesome show together and if i start to say anything incriminating just fire off some very loud laser sounds Laser sounds! Bye. Bye.